Hello, hello. Today is a very, very, very special day. Well, podcast. <laughs> Today, as always, I'm joined by my brother, co-host, and local handsome man, Charlie. Uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> as well as someone else we know very well, our talented, gifted, and the healthiest one of the group, our sister Lily. <laughs> hello. Happy to be here. Woo! Man, Jack, that... <laughs> That sounded so <laughs> forced. You're like, well, hello, everybody. You put on like this kind of yeah, voice. I that's know. Like, <laughs> hello, I'm introducing that's a game point. show, and here we have Charlie and Lily. And uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking about. <laughs> we're going to be talking about cooking. Cook- no, like today we are the is actually. Of the group. Yeah, I know. Today, today is the first time we're doing a. What a. Uh, a throwback episode, or what would you call us, Charlie? The second episode of a subject we've already covered. I mean, I was just just a part two episode. <laughs> We're doing cooking. cooking. Part two. Part two. Lily, can I get a cooking from you? Your best one. Cooking. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. Is that good? Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> that works. <laughs> so, before we get into the the meat of this episode, Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, woke up early for work and then got home. Work was pretty uneventful as it normally is. Um, yeah. Did some quick writing, you know, just threw down a 500 words on a page. No problem. No big oh, deal. Yeah. Easy. No, you Easy. know. Uh, and then started cleaning the kitchen, ate some soup in the little uh, pre chat we had. It was delicious. And uh, now nice. I'm here. Now I'm recording with you. And now I'm saying this word as I'm watching the audio waves. On my okay, that's enough. computer. <laughs> that's enough. Okay. Lily, mm-hmm. how was your day? It wasn't too bad. It was really long. Really long day at work. Rearranging the entire menu at the cafe and trying to figure everything out. It's been slow because yeah, of COVID, obviously. But yeah, we're doing it. Because you yeah. wake up like really early for work, right? 4 a.m. I'm trying to think like you get used to it. The last time the last time I got up at four AM I think was for like a really, really early shift at Target. Mm. You know, I don't mind waking up at like five or five thirty, which is if I have to be at work, that's usually when I wake up. Um but four feels a little ungodly. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if you agree with really. that. Maybe you've been doing it so long that it is just kind of normal, but four o'clock is definitely like still nighttime <laughs> you know what i mean it really is not many other people are awake at that time except other bakers <laughs> well and it's, it's funny because lily is like all right i'm going to bed i'm like it's 8 30 you know it's like who yeah. goes to bed at 8 30 but Ooh, 8 30 is pushing you know. it 8 8 well, p.m is solid yeah. time for us to go to bed <laughs> i'm in bed teeth brushed all righty anyways now that the introductions are out of the way, we can end the episode. <laughs> you know, um, no. hmm. something really important that's definitely on topic. I started the live version of Mulan last night on Disney Plus. Yeah. And was really not impressed. Okay. Like I turned it off in the first like 15 minutes and then just watched the original. Oh. It, I don't know, man. It just felt so soulless. And I like soulless enough to where I have to like bring it up to you guys because of course you guys have seen, you know the original Mulan and it was real hard to watch mm-hmm. like the new Mulan and be like, Oh man, this is a, uh... and like, I get that they're trying to do something different with it. So it's not that, you know, I don't want anything. It's not like, like I am like coveting the, you know, the IP of Mulan, like it's something precious, but man, not very good. Would not recommend. I'll try to finish it, but would you, mm. would you say you're a little like nostalgia blind at all or, like no. you favor the first one so much that any rendition of Mulan's kind of. I mean, I like my Disney movies just like anybody else, but I wouldn't say I like favor them above anything else. Well, I mean, I kind of felt that same way with the the new version of The Lion King. Like, it's not technically live action, but like it looks so realistic. But like, there's the, the whole scene where Simba's you know father dies, Mufasa, in the spoiler we watch his kids. <laughs> oh my god. And the one we watched, he's like, no, you know, like that. 
And you're like, oh gosh, he's so sad. And in this one, it's just the cub going, no. Like, it just opens his mouth, you know? I don't think it's it, like that. That sounds so awkward. The I haven't no. seen the new Lion King, but the animation for it looked like it dipped into the uncanny valley a little bit. Like, it didn't look real, but it looked too mm. realistic. Kind of. Like, sense. voice acting it does. Voice acting is fine. The problem with it is that it looks too real to where the animals, like, are just... They look weird like exactly singing and doing yeah anyways i agree i'll have to watch the new mulan see if i feel similar i don't know if they don't have the i'll make a man out of you song then i don't know if i can do it no they don't oh that's the best song (laughs) not even watching it then (laughs) okay so the reason we decided to go back and do a second episode of cooking cooking is because Lily is uh, very different in the way she, you know, not, not only eats. <laughs> Lily is but very also, different. <laughs> she is very different from But everybody. also, <laughs> the way she approaches cooking, what she does now with it, and it's also kind of like basically a big focus of her job. So. It is my job. I figured we kind of. Like, <laughs> I figured we get into the nitty gritty into the early childhood. Lily, mm-hmm. first off, I want to ask, what was it like growing up in a household full of brothers? Well, being the only girl out of five brothers, it's not, I don't know, I have, I've gotten that question a lot throughout my life. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Like I know people who have a lot of sisters and I would much rather have brothers over sisters. I feel like it's about. made me pretty, like, I don't know, pretty tough in how I like handle myself around people and dealing with, you know, people at work and just in life. It's, you know, having a lot of siblings in general, I think, kind of gears you up for a lot. Does that make sense? No, it definitely does. Yeah, definitely. You get tired of uh, people being like, oh, I'm so sorry you had so many brothers. And they give you kind of like that knowing look. (laughs) (laughs) that side eye like oh no or like i don't know a lot of times people have asked me oh you must like you're so spoiled aren't you and i'm like no not at all we were way too poor for that are you kidding me yeah yeah or i'll I'll tell people like i have one sister and they're like oh no and i'm like no it's like it's not bad like it's a bad thing (laughs) It, it is it is kind of funny but um and i mean so it sounds like you had it pretty good. <laughs> I would say so. I mean, I read I don't Pride know, and Prejudice, I don't know where to take and it. I wouldn't want five sisters. P and P, as they call it in the literary yes. world. <laughs> as as some call it. No one calls it that. P&P. No one does. As, <laughs> as, as Charlie calls it. Um, Lily, if you could remember, mm-hmm. what was like one of your favorite meals from your childhood? Favorite meals. Yeah. That like, so like you know, either dad made or mom made, and you like it just it's stuck in your brain. If you so, if I can give you an example, yeah. One thing for me is like dad's omelets he'd make in the morning for us sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh Those yeah, you so just wake good. up and Always. you'd be like, "What do you want?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. What do you want in your omelet? What do you want in your omelet? All right, you know, and then like perfect omelets. Yeah, those are so good. You know, one of my personal favorites, right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember when dad taught me how to make omelets and whenever I would be at a friend's house, I would make everybody omelets in the morning and they'd be so impressed. I'm like, it's just what my dad taught me, you know. (laughs) But one of my favorite uh, childhood meals that I remember mom making all the time, and it's funny because I don't even eat chicken anymore, but was her chicken tetrazzini with Mm. like fresh salad on the side and her, quote, lumbus bread. Oh, like that was, I remember that being like my favorite meal. She did not make that bread that often. And more. She really didn't. It felt like such a treat. Super just like buttery and crisp and you could put honey on it or you could eat it with, you know, something savory. It was so good. That chicken chachazini, was that the the one that had like the spaghetti noodles and it was like cooked in the oven? Yes. You know what's and it funny? Had, like like the crusty top on it. Yeah, you know what's funny is that definitely was not one of my favorites. 
And I don't know. Really? I, I remember really liking it. Well, and I like this kind of extends into like what I like now, but I definitely don't like a lot of like white sauce things. Like I tend to like yeah. more just like spaghetti or, you know, things that have like a red sauce, like more tomato based rather than. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, I definitely agree now. Like I don't really like white sauce or obviously like meat either, you know, right. but I just remember that being so like comforting mm-hmm. and like so yummy. Yeah. Do you remember mom's hobbit hash? Oh my God. Yeah, that one. Do you that, remember that? It would what, always that, be like on, on leftover night. It was like just <laughs> no, what we, we had go. left. Old potatoes, old like veggies, just all stir fried together. And she called old it hobbit meat. hash. <laughs> old meat. <laughs> <laughs> old meat that has you know, flies <laughs> on it. Not old, but you know, <laughs> leftover. Scrounge so, night. Obviously now, Lily, you're a vegetarian and you have been for yes. quite a while. Um, do you ever yeah. like miss meat at all? Or is it something that it's been so long that you're kind of like, I I could take it or leave it. I don't really care. So as far as, as far as meat goes, when I think about like red meat and pork and poultry and stuff, it honestly doesn't, it's not food to me anymore. Like it's been about seven years since I've had any meat like that and when i see it when i like cook it at work when i make it for people i'm just like it doesn't look like food to me it's really bizarre how my brain's kind Mm. of switched and it's just like i don't even the smell of it like the look of it none of it just is appetizing to me but what is so appetizing to me is seafood like i think Mm. that's just in our blood is like seafood was the hardest thing for me to give up when i went strictly vegetarian because I yeah. still think about, mm. oh, man, like fish and salmon, you know, but. Oh, salmon. Sushi. Salmon, dude. Sushi. I still yeah. miss sushi, but you can find really good vegetarian sushi that like. Right. Is yeah. awesome. Mm. Hmm. See, it's interesting because like. Hmm. I remember you. What are you <laughs> over there? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, I just I remember you making the transition and at first like a lot of us like a lot of us were like how hard is it? Like is it really hard? And I guess like is the transition like if you remember like is it was it hard initially or I mean did you like see like I don't know like a um, documentary or something and kind of be like documentary Yeah, I'm done. I know. <laughs> I was I... thinking about that word in my head and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no. It's coming." <laughs> I remember that when I went vegetarian, I think it was shortly after graduating high school, but nobody took it seriously. Like, I remember mom and dad were just like, oh, it's just a phase. It's whatever. You're just doing it because that's (laughs) the trend. It's like, what? You know, no one took it seriously. But I was like, no, I'm doing this. Like, I don't want to eat meat anymore. And honestly, cutting out red meat wasn't hard at all cutting out pork wasn't that bad for me personally anyway because i didn't eat a lot of it to begin with but whenever Mm. i ate meat like that i remember it just made me feel really gross and like greasy on the inside if that makes sense (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it was (laughs) hard to like greasy it was kind of hard to keep in mind like oh i can't order that or oh i shouldn't eat that because it has chicken in it or it has fish in it like that was kind of a like I had to check myself a lot, but as far as specifically mm-hmm. red meat and pork, it wasn't it wasn't that hard. But I know for a lot of people it's really difficult because that's a main part of most people's diets. Yeah, I don't I don't know about you, Charlie, but I've kind of transitioned from like I eat like a lot of turkey and chicken now. Yeah. Like turkey's kind of replacing ground beef for me and a lot of different uh like cooking like in like my the sp- like spaghetti in most like things it's just turkey 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 or chicken you know i don't really eat that much red meat yeah which is interesting because i do like it but i'm kind of i'm seeing myself kind of slowly you know drift away from it yeah i think i it's healthier yeah i definitely still do eat red meat i mean like one of my favorite things to do is like make like you know fancy tacos and stuff like that i mean i made a recipe recently mm-hmm. that was like orange pork with like a coleslaw that was like delicious so nice. It, it would be hard. I think it would be hard for me to. <laughs> Lily chose gross. <laughs> no. I think it would be hard for me not to necessarily stop eating it, but to find 
replacements for just like the uh, routine of like making meals because I think for me meat is like the protein part of a lot of my meals and that'd be hard to cut out yeah because Mm -hmm. it's like I mean I know there are other ways to get protein you know it's not that but I'm so used to that being like a staple of like oh hey like like chicken soup like you know you got you got chicken in there and it would be strange (laughs) to uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to like replace it with something else and i definitely don't wouldn't see myself like going down the route of trying to do like fake meat or anything like that because that's just kind of weird yeah so it's a big transition to make it's like a big shift in thinking like oh i if i don't have this then what am i going to eat for my protein or my calories or vitamins you only get from certain meats you know i mean it's it's a lot to change it's just, honestly it's just kind of something you get used to But I understand you about the fake meat because even in the early stages of me becoming a vegetarian, all like the fake meat and stuff, I won't name any brands, but it was never appealing to me that it's like, oh, it bleeds like, quote, like real meat or it tastes like real meat. Like that to me is not appealing because I just don't want to eat meat in general. Right. But that is like a big help for people who are like, I still want that out of food I eat, but I don't want to eat as much meat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I see a lot of, um, you know, people are like, oh, this tastes just like chicken wings or this tastes just (laughs) like chicken nuggets. And I'm like, do you you want it to taste just like chicken nuggets? I mean, like, this person's like, oh, I've been, you know, vegetarian for like so many years and this tastes just like steak or whatever. It's like, does it though? Or do you remember what steak tastes like? I don't. I don't know. (laughs) I'm wondering, like, if you still have those cravings ever. Like, do you ever crave a chicken nugget, like, at all? No, never. <laughs> Not, even, like, what if it was, like, super, like, like home-cooked, homemade? The one thing that I still crave, and I already said this, but is seafood. Like, yeah, I, I remember specifically, I don't know, Charlie, if you remember this, but there was one time where you, I don't remember if Jack, I don't remember if you went, but I remember Charlie and Dad went fishing, and they brought home catfish. Do you remember no. that? And Mom, like, fried it on the stove and made yeah. like a homemade tartar sauce yeah like i don't remember this i don't like I, I remember this so vividly because i was just like wow this is like some of the best like fish i've ever eaten was just like caught catfish i don't even remember where you guys mm-hmm. caught it or where you went but that is one thing i still crave is seafood but there are a lot of hmm. really like creative ways that you can make like vegan seafood that's actually yeah. tastes like fish you know so i understand like me still wanting for that fishy taste, I can understand why someone would want to still taste a chicken nugget. You know, it tastes right. good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very true. So if I can uh, ask an- another question, there's gonna be a lot of questions, Lily. Hopefully you're prepared. Um, what was like, you know, when you first like moved out, did, were you the vegetarian when you first moved out or no? I think when I was in the process of moving out, um, that's when I was starting to become vegetarian. Okay, so, like, what did you start, like, you know, cooking when you... <laughs> cooking. <laughs> when you were on your own? Honestly, um, I didn't really get that good at cooking until I started working in a restaurant. Like, my go-to meals every day was, like, coffee, tea, fruit, and peanut butter, and, like, whatever else my roommates were making for dinner because my when I first moved out I had a roommate um named Caitlin and she is an amazing cook and she would like cook with kimchi and veggies and like all these root vegetables it would be like making sourdough starters and making stuff out of sourdough discard and like doing all these crazy meals and so she would just feed me a lot of the time and I would like learn a lot of like vegetarian recipes from her but, like, on my own, I honestly ate apples and peanut butter, and that was most of my meals when I first moved uh, out. That's a, that's a good combo, honestly. I mean, I still have to try not to live off of that because it's so good. <laughs> that and oatmeal. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I don't know if you tried, but there's a time when my go-to snack was, like, you know, an apple, cut it up, and then peanut butter. And, I mean, this is – I was the only one eating from the peanut butter. But I would just take the apple slice – Dip it into the jar of peanut butter and eat that, and that'd the, be my snack. Okay, hold. On. You were the only one eating from the peanut butter. 
What do you, you mean at our house? Because about? that is so not true. <laughs> no, no, this is no. I know this is when I lived on my own. Oh, okay. Jack, Jack would like hoard the peanut butter when we lived together, and we'd be like, "Where's the peanut butter?" And be like, "In Jack's bed." <laughs> it would always be in your room <laughs> with my, like my other... two saltines sticking out of the jar, like <laughs> so crumbs gross. everywhere. Okay, okay. I I did not break the saltines in the jar Can that often. We talk about for a second. Like the grossness that like the huge peanut butter things would get like on the edge because, you know, eating peanut butter now, it's so easy to keep like the actual container clean. But with so many people using it, those huge things of peanut butter will get so gross. It'd be like peanut butter smeared all on the outside of the rim, all along the Mm. container. (laughs) So you pick up the peanut butter butter jar and you're like, how am I gripping peanut butter already? It's (laughs) perpetually sticky. <laughs> try to remember the knives would have like peanut butter not only on the blade on both sides of the blade but also on the handle yeah. and be like in a cup of water I, and you're like who's who's doing this our poor mother like I all know. the knives are used just for peanut butter yeah <laughs> i was uh like, talking to kate recently and i was telling her that we used to do because we didn't have a dishwasher until like i know we had one at one point but we didn't have a dishwasher growing up God, I'm super Oklahoma in there. Dishwasher. Um, that was really... <laughs> but uh, we used to do dishes, like Jack, Lily, and I. And I remember specifically... Because I don't think, like, we really had a lot of fights. But I definitely think we picked on each other a lot. And so there would be moments where I would be, mm-hmm. like, doing dishes with Lily. And she would pass me something that she cleaned. And I would look at it and spot, like, a little speck. And just throw it back into the sink. <laughs> <laughs> just get it dirty again and it's just like man <laughs> charlie i okay there were a lot of times where you guys picked on me first no of all, that's what i'm saying but yeah. i remember one time when you and i were doing the dishes and we decided to have a fight with like the kitchen knives do you remember that <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> we were just like playing around but i accidentally like i actually sliced your finger open <laughs> and you were like Oh crap! And I was like, "What's wrong?" And you just turned around and stuck Somehow. your hand into the sink, and you're like, "You cut my finger up." And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." <laughs> just blood everywhere. You've cut my finger open. Yeah, no, I definitely. <laughs> oh boy, definitely picked on Lily probably a little too much. There's a horror story like, where we stole her Beanie Babies and hung them from a tree, which. Oh my god! Like you know, thinking it's funny because like. Like, in the first childhood memories when we did, you know, I talked about, like, stealing Yu-Gi-Oh cards from a kid's locker and, like, not feeling guilty at all. And, like, that's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, that is so cruel. Like, poor little Lily. She doesn't really understand why I'm taking her stuffed animals, but then she just finds them hanging from a tree. Like, (laughs) Not only hanging from a tree, but you hung them from the tree higher than you knew that I could climb. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you why? left a note. So I remember cruel. you left a note that said "ha ha." <laughs> well, like especially, I know I would oh do it. I feel like I would do it more often, and so I'd take you know the beanie babies and like the whatever string I could find, and like personally, just like go oh, tie up high, you know, then just drop them and try to let you be like, "Hey, Lily, come outside." Oh my drop it, you know. <laughs> That's horrible. Or, I mean, you know, yeah, it's horrible. It is horrible. You know, think about it now. It's like, man, if like. I like came home and like Ellie had like hung up like something by the, by its <laughs> neck from like I don't know like the fan. I'd be a little like I'd be very concerned, but you know, I turned out okay. Yeah, it turned out okay. <laughs> I mean, there was six of us yeah. in the house, you know, and th- more times than not, there was always a couple people extra living with us. Yeah, oh, things are bound to get crazy. I don't know how mom and dad did it. I don't know either. Well. I know, sorry, Jack, you're leading this, but like moving on good. a little bit. So Lily, you're, you don't cook a lot of meals at home, especially like right when you first moved out. Um, mm-hmm. How did you kind of make that transition early on from, you know, your first starting jobs to working into a kitchen? Like, what was that like? How did you kind of get your foothold in the door, you know, per se and be, be like, hey, no, I can do this. Or who did you learn from? So my first bakery job was at our aunt's bakery, um, Aunt Andrea and Mm -hmm. Molly, although she's 
technically a second cousin, but I just consider her an aunt to us. But they had a bakery and they gave me my first bakery job when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And that was my first introduction into working in a kitchen setting and like working early hours and being around very intense production and creative people, you know, and that I think was what inspired because I had been interested in baking beforehand, Mm -hmm. but that was kind of what inspired me to be like, oh, like I could do this. Like I would love to like work with my hands and make things that taste good and like feed people, you know, like I love feeding people. Like to me, that's like the best thing you can do right? is to like make someone happy with something that they eat, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was, well, it's I, funny go ahead. I remember like visiting you like at that little, like, you know, place all the time. The, I don't know. Did you say the name? Antoinette. I'm drawing a blank. No, it's uh, Antoinette, Antoinette Baking Company. Look it up. Look yeah, it up. I was like, I was like, I, should I? Yeah, look it up, please. Um, I remember like going there often. I'd come through, you know, the back of the place and just say hi, like to you and whoever else was working, and you know, get a little something, something. Uh, and it was just, it was cool seeing like, kind of like that. That was that was my my first experience of like kind of back of the house, like bakery kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of seeing how it all was come together, like the racks, like the loaves, and like you know, all the different kinds of breads. Like it was cool. The treats especially were super good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I first learned too that, you know, baking and cooking, it's it's more than just kind of like an, well, I consider an art form, but it's really, there's a lot of chemistry that goes into it, you know? Like the more you do it, the more you learn like what ingredients react with what other ingredients that you need, like what goes well with what. And like if you add too many eggs, it's going to do this. If you don't add enough sugar, this is going to happen. You know, it's just a really huge learning curve for me. And it's it's kind of where I consider I cut my teeth as far as my working career started. Because right. after that, I got my first like restaurant job at Chimera Cafe in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's amazing. Um, and that's when I started being like a <laughs> line cook out to- and like a chef at night. Right. Mm-hmm. So, naturally, are you? <laughs> do you want to ask a question, or am I? Do you want me to take the lead back? Oh no, you can take it back. <laughs> You're doing a fine job. Good. I, that that dude. I, that's why I waited for. I was like, Charlie just wants to take the reins. Apparently, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. No, I'm not so dissatisfied with I, your control of this episode at all. <clears throat> you know what, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can see your face as you're saying that. Not literally, but I can just see it. <laughs> the, the scrunch smile. <laughs> so, you said you started working first career as like a, like a line cook? Yeah. And then a chef at night. When did you get into the baking portion of it? So that was a few months into working at Chimera. I think I'd been there for like four or five months and then... The baker at the time, she uh, she like left to go open up her own spot, I believe, and so mm-hmm. I let like they were looking for a baker to fill that position, and I was like, I mean, I have baking experience, and I think I was the only one on the team that had baking experience at the time. So they're like, all right, well, you're going to be the new baker now, and then that kind of started <laughs> the five year journey at Chimera that I had of being the morning person developing that bakery the program bread production you know like going into management and all that which is you know there's a lot to go into there but that was kind of my first time like myself taking the reins of like okay like i'm in charge of this space now like it's my job to bake all the goods and make all the bread yeah so what is it i guess what does it look like when you you know so you said five-year journey so let's take it like three years into that, what does kind of that daily routine look like? I mean, you wake up early, you get into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And as far as like designing programs, are you designing what people are actually going to eat? Or is this based on like feedback from somebody else? And you're kind of like, okay, well, we can do this and this and not this. But so what do those days look like? Like, what do you remember most from those early, not the early days, but like kind of that middle ground period? Yeah, yeah. So in the beginning, it was kind of hearing what, you know, my 
bosses wanted me to make, what impl- what um, customers were responding to, what the demand was, because Chimera is a 95% like vegan plant-based restaurant. So the entire right. bakery mm-hmm. was vegan, which was a big change from being at Antoinette Baking Company, where it was a very classic French pastry, full of butter, mm-hmm. full of milk, you know. Um, Mouth-watering. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it was a it was a big change and it was kind of learning how to do vegan pastry and kind of what that means and what people want because at the time in tulsa we were the only vegan spot so people came for all the vegan stuff so at first it was you know making recipes that i was told to do like Mm -hmm. making the bread that i was told to make Um, But, like, the more I learned, the more I was kind of given creative freedom to, like, develop my own recipes and, you know, kind Mm. of branch out into what I wanted to do. And um, whenever I became manager, that's when we started doing sourdough. So, well, a typical morning at Chimera, I guess I should start there, is, you know, get there between, like, 5 and 5.30 a.m., check out the bread situation, see like what needs to be made, how much we have, get started on the morning bake-off, which is like baking off scones, muffins, cookies, um, like vegan protein bars, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then just starting on bread production, which that would takes the most time and the most space in a bakery, depending on like, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're making it for. Um, Do you want me to go into making sourdough? (laughs) Well, so I guess it that's so different from, you know, me because I start working at really a lot of like coffee shops and like more corporate coffee shops. And I guess the biggest difference that for me is that, you know, at those places, everything is kind of set and defined and you don't have a lot of ownership over what you can do. And that Mm -hmm. sounds that sounds wild to me. And it's something I probably would have enjoyed doing more and not getting so burnt out on it is actually having that ownership to like say, Oh, Hey, this is responding really well. Let's do more of this. Whereas when you're in that corporate setting is kind of just like, it's all based on the numbers. It's all based on, you know, your profit and you don't have a say over, Hey, what's this Mm. drink made out of, or what's this pastry made out of? It's like, Nope, this is what we're going to sell. And this is what you're going to (laughs) make. Yeah, like right. the most, like, because my yeah. experience was from uh, Chick fil A. And it's like the most control you have is trying to not waste product, trying to maximize like profit on whatever you have and doing it with as little loss as possible. And so it's like, you know, that's about as much control as you had. And it would be cool if you could be like, I don't know, try to say you were the manager of the Starbucks you're at. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is like the manager's special drink, you know, and you could like kind of like have like a little selection of drinks that like, you're like, you personally like crafted or whatever, you know, like that'd be kind of cool. But right. Right. That's not how it goes there. No. But so, I mean, it sounds like, Lily, that's kind of where you started. I mean, obviously, we can get into some sourdough and stuff like that. But that sounds like where you started thriving was, like, when you kind of were able to take the reins. And, you know, was that really what kind of pushed you into, like, going at this? Because you've been doing this for a long time now. Like, is that what kind of started this journey for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, working for a local family-owned small business is so different than working for a corporate a corporate place. Do you know what I mean? Because you meet mm-hmm. the owners and that's it. Like they're who are like who's behind everything. Like they're the ones to make the decisions. Like it's just you and them. You know, it's like it's not like there's different levels of management or like people that you <laughs> out of state that you don't see. Like it's just you. And it really mm-hmm. builds a sense of community. Do you know what I mean? Because you're like, what I'm making right here is yeah. for like all the people around me and all the people in my city. You know, it's like we're the ones directly yeah. benefiting and we're the ones that are like contributing to the culture of downtown Tulsa, you know? Yeah. And it makes it really develops like this. I don't know. I just, it's really easy to care about, you know? Like it's really easy to be like, seeing people who are passionate for what they do and really love what they do and know that's like that's what I want to do too. It's right. like I really want to care about what mm-hmm. I do and it and it's 
easy to like work your butt off if that you know yeah. what i mean like i feel oh, like definitely. it's kind of turned me into a workaholic a little bit but it's like nothing that i'm like upset about you know like i want to do it because yeah. it's like because i care so much about it because i am i am given that freedom and that creative control and i've been given so much opportunity through this company that i work for and it's like i want to give it my all right for you sure. know like i would I would much rather be like making something with my hands and be on my feet for 10 to 12 hours a day than be stuck at a cubicle typing at a computer. Right. You know, like without a doubt, I would much rather be in a kitchen than be a pencil pusher. And that's just me personally. Like I would go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because. Yeah. Well, that is a wrong opinion. I'm, just, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's just for me personally. I just had, just, yeah. It's, I just had to say that. It's strange because, you know, I, I started, you know, what at a Barnes and Noble cafe, and then when I left for college, I went. That's when I first started at a Starbucks, and like, I think because I eventually would. Those were the days. I eventually would come back and you know manage a location for a while before it just like horribly burnt me out. And <laughs> it's funny because what you're talking about, Lily, I, I'm in no way like envious or jealous of her. Or like, man, I wish that could have happened to me, but. Just like the difference, because it's especially when you're going to like a corporation like Starbucks that, you know, has such a set, you know, uh, pattern and routine for everything. Mm -hmm. When you start talking for like upper management, there's definitely like a level of, oh, hey, you start to adopt like the Starbucks personality where you're like, oh, hey, so we're just going to go ahead and look for some opportunities and we're going to ensure that everybody and I could never do that. Like, even as a manager, yeah. I never, it was so hard for me to be like, to, to, to change and be like that and to feel like Starbucks, Charlie. I had to police people for policy and not police people for like the job they were doing. And yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's kind of like awesome to hear that you were able to get, I guess, the good side of that through like the local space, you know? Yeah, and I mean, management is hard no matter where you go. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's like when you're a manager, you have to be, you know, the party pooper. You have to be the person that's like, well, keep everyone on task and like keep all the money stuff in mind, keep the business side of everything in mind. And like you have to keep everyone, right. you know, doing what they're doing and have to worry about mm -hmm. everything else besides just the daily stuff going on, you know. And that's kind of inescapable, mm -hmm. but yeah. it it makes it worth it when it's like, you know, like it's your space and it's like you care about it and you know that your boss like cares about it too and does this because he thinks it's cool, right. you know? Yeah. It's exactly. not all about money. It's about yeah, like, I mean, I mean, this is what I want to do. Yeah. It's cool. Cause you know, I met, I met the owner. I mean, you know, I met Robin. He's, he's a really cool dude, you know? And because I actually, you know, I worked at Chimera for a little while. Uh, I was just a dishwasher guy because I wanted to not work at Target anymore. Because I was so tired of Target, you know, because it is just, it's super, it's not obviously in the same vein as like, you know, uh, cooking or anything. But just that whole, the management aspect was like, I can't just be this drone that just kind of like, all right, so right. here's Target and here are our values and yada, it's like. You know the thing you always hear when you go work at a place like that. So, I ended up you know dishwashing there for a few months, and I was super grateful for that opportunity because like I met a lot of cool people and definitely got to see kind of like the behind the scenes of like what Lily does and kind of just see her in that you know <laughs> manager position too was like really cool to see because I was like oh I actually to see like what she does. Um, and you know it was, you know it was local business. You also got like local bands coming and playing some nights and tons of like art hosted and it's it's a really cool like setting to be a part of and a much welcome shift compared to you know something like target so yeah and that was that was a lot of fun to have you there for that period of time because i was like oh my gosh i get to go to work and see my brother like what <laughs> <laughs> dang it <laughs> <laughs> no <clears throat> oh boy can I, well can I ask the next question there jacko Excuse me, give me like two seconds. Jeez. Did I did I even answer the previous one correctly? Oh, you, you totally. <laughs> I yeah. kind of went you off. No, on you, it. you totally. You know did. what? I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure 
you did. So, Lily, we know now that you are an experienced baker. Yes. Yes? Yes. <laughs> so, <Jeez>. do, <laughs> why? Do you, <laughs> just because I think it's funny. Do you bake at home a lot or not really? Oh my God, not at all. <laughs> not like, like, like very much so, like. Okay, occasionally. Not like nothing? Well, like. My partner and I will, like, make waffles for breakfast if it's our day off or, like, you know, every Thanksgiving before COVID, obviously, I would, like, make challah bread for the family and, like, pumpkin pie. But mm. I honestly, when I leave work, I don't think about baking at all. Like, I like to cook a mm. lot at home, but as far as making, like, breads and sweets, I just, like, I can't do it. I think being around it for so long, I just want, like, real food, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just for the sake of like staying healthy. <laughs> yeah. Like if I sure. made yeah, for sure. so, cookies at home, it would just be no end in sight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you don't bake a lot at home, you say to cook a lot, what do you what do you cook in nowadays? So some things that I really like to cook a lot of um is like noodle dishes. So I do a lot of like stir fries with like noodles and vegetables. I like to make a lot of curries. Like one of my favorite recipes is like this um, sweet potato pumpkin chickpea curry. Mm. Um, that's really yummy. It just kind of depends on what I'm feeling and whatever I have in the kitchen. I Honestly, I just throw a lot of things together usually. Yeah. Is there Do anything you think a lot that... of that? Uh... <sighs> <laughs> you ask your question first. You ask your question first. No, I was going to say, so Lily, do you think a lot of that comes from the way mom used to cook or do you feel like you've kind of moved beyond that initial like experience with cooking to where you kind of like you saw something else you're like i cook more like this now um it's kind of a combination it's a combination of what i've learned being in kitchens and then also kind of how mom cooks like throwing things together seeing what we have Mm-hmm. You know, but it's definitely it's developed into kind of my own style. Like there's definitely flavors that I go for a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I like to cook mm-hmm. a lot with mushrooms, different like spices mm-hmm. like umami and Whoa. just different things like that. Well cooked mushrooms are so freaking good. Like Laura made some the other day and they were so good. Delicious mushrooms. Um so I guess that brings me to my question, Lily. Another question I have, obviously it's not the only question, mm-hmm. is um, like, so what are you interested in like learning to make in the future? Like as far as cooking goes, like, are you looking more into like learning to, you know, getting more into like baking or just like cooking in general or just all of that whole, like, what do you want to do in the future when it comes to like just this? So as far as remaining in this industry right now, I am the general manager at Rattlesnake Cafe, which is out in Broken Arrow, which is still in Oklahoma, but like 20 minutes outside of Tulsa. Yeah. But as far as cooking there, I've like developed the menu and it's a lot of like panini, salads, sandwiches and wraps and stuff and like soups. But right now we're also... um kind of expanding into pulling from other local shops in the area. So there's this chocolatier um, out in Kuwaita that makes their own chocolate from scratch and they offer chocolate making classes. And that's something that I have always been really fascinated by is making chocolate, like starting with the cacao bean, doing the processing and like coming, having like a chocolate bar at the end of it. Like that's something that I've always wanted to do and something that I think I'm going to be more involved in because we're using their chocolate right now, like in our croissants mm-hmm. and danishes and whatnot. Um, but also just kind of what more I'm getting into is coffee roasting as well, because we're also a roastery and we supply coffee to our cafe and Chimera and like other places around Broken Arrow. And that's something that I also really want to learn more about is roasting beans it's just so much fun oh very cool i mean do you guys do you guys sell the the coffee like not only in shop like do you guys have like an online store or no yeah we do actually Ooh. um lioness coffee lioness dot uh, co <laughs> all right well That's cool. you know get you'll be sure to get an influx of buys when this episode okay 
Yeah, Maybe so many viewers. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Look, looking at you, Michael. If um, <laughs> if you Google Rattlesnake Cafe, mm-hmm. then you'll probably find the link to the roastery, and you can order whole beans online. Mm. It's very good, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I mean, I believe it. I mean, just from what I've experienced at a, you know, Chimera Cafe, definitely like super good. Just like. Anything Lily made obviously was like great, but like I almost all the Aww. time for my lunch, I got like this. It was like potatoes, bacon, cheese, something else, something else. Like almost every day, I was like, "This is what I need to fuel my body every day," and you know that was super good. Uh, so, come a long way from your uh, ketchup and crackers, haven't you, Jack? <laughs> Shut <laughs> up! That is that is such a long way. Thank you. That makes me yeah, happy. I guess I'm just in this box. I'm glad that you really enjoyed the food. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I've even asked Lily for like for her peanut butter cookie recipe too, and like that super good. You know, didn't turn out yeah. as good as Lily's, I think, but I think <laughs> I did a good job. Yeah. Um, Cookies are can be surprisingly tricky. Yeah. yeah, I think one important thing that I learned is that you need to not touch them when you take them out. Like, let them cool. Because, like, if you try to touch yes. them right away, they... I mean, from what I did, like, they... I started, like, kind of trying to move them a few minutes after I took them out, and they kind of, like, crumbled a good bit. So... Yeah, I mean, that's also a vegan recipe, and something well with a lot of vegan cookies is you have to let it cool completely so it'll set. And then you can pick it up and shove it in your face. Yeah, very nice. If you can recommend, um, like an easy recipe for someone who wants to try baking, what would you recommend someone who wants to try it? Hmm. For vegan baking specifically, yeah, sure. I would recommend, and I know this is going to sound pretty cheesy, but waffles. So. Recipes like waffles and pancakes, you can make those vegan so easily, and it's like the yummiest thing mm-hmm. ever. Like if you have flour, sugar, um, vegan milk, or just like plant milk, um, salt, and a little bit of baking powder, that's all you need, and you can make like the most delicious waffles in the world. Dude, I need. I mean, there are so many like. You can Google so many like vegan substitutions and vegan recipes for cookies, for banana bread, for scones. Like there's so much more available options nowadays than there was even like six years ago that it's mm-hmm. it's like pretty easy to find a decent recipe. And a lot, you know, you have to workshop it a little bit, mm-hmm. but if you have, you know, a banana that can replace your egg, if you have almond or oat milk that can replace dairy milk very easily i recommend oat milk because it has a higher fat content than other plant milks Mm. and it usually works best as a dairy milk replacement dude oat milk's pretty good that's one of my favorite like if i'm not getting dairy milk that's like my favorite kind of milk is oat milk i have i love two questions so good too too many lily if you had to choose life or death now between a regular waffle and then a vegan waffle, what would you choose? The vegan waffle, because you can't really tell the difference. Oh, okay. And two, and the more important <laughs> question, you get this letter in the mail, and it says, Lily, you have been invited yes. to attend the Great British Baking Off. We'll pay for your... Ooh. We'll pay for your flight. Oh my! You can come God. in the tent, and we'll pay for your stay. Would you do it? I would, but I don't think I can because the Great British Bake Off is for amateur bakers, and since I've worked mm. professionally as a baker, I don't think I'd be allowed to. Well, I mean, okay. like, because you haven't gone to like. But if I was given the opportunity, absolutely, I would. I mean, I remember in one of the recent seasons they had a vegan week, and I was so excited because i was like oh my gosh i like this is it this is like what i've been waiting for i get to watch all these british people Mm -hmm. like 
like lose their minds over having to not use eggs and milk and i'm just like i know exactly what to do like why are they freaking out literally sitting there just <laughs> laughing oh these fools no i was sitting there like <laughs> that's not a sponge no not like that but it was it was so funny because i there were these recipes and they were like how does this work like what is what am i supposed to use to make it rise and i was just talking to the tv the whole time like just use this and this and yeah so i that was fun I have a question. Um, <clears throat> do you watch anyone? I know you don't like you're not on the internet that much, but do you watch anyone on like on YouTube for baking at all or for cooking? Um, not on YouTube, but I do follow bakers on Instagram. Oh, I see. Because I sometimes I'll go on a binge on like on the guy binging with Babish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just kind of like, have that on in the background, and Ellie likes watching it too. You know, he just cooks a lot of stuff i also like just watching gordon ramsay cooking at home not necessarily like house kitchen but like just like him cooking at home be like you're a 10 simple and easy lunch and i'm just like this is my jam and it's not that simple i'm but not a big th- those are good i'm not a big gordon ramsay fan like i know that's weird to say but i think i just like saw too many episodes of him screaming at chefs and i was just like nah. But I know he's like an incredibly accomplished cook and is way better chef than I will ever be, you know, like not doubting his skills or credibility or anything like that, but just hearing oh, he, like the way he talks to people is not Yeah, he can definitely come off as a douche, but it's funny when he's like cooking anything. He's like, all right, he has some eggs and you're like, why are you breathing so hard, dude? Like, stop, like, <laughs> no. he's like, now, then, oh, smell that. Oh, good. And you're like. Okay, I wish I was that passionate about something. Charlie, do you yeah. watch anyone? <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, I get that way with bread sometimes. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I watched Binging with Babish for a while. I thought he was really good. Um, I like watching people that don't have a lot of, uh, I don't know, like the right word for it, but they're not super pretentious, I guess, about what they're cooking and why, because oftentimes like that puts me off when people are like oh man you know i make this super special recipe and i'm so accomplished and i'm just so good i'm like dude and that puts they're like gatekeeping it right that puts me off from like not just cooking but from like anything where people are like like if somebody's like a great writer they're like i'm so good and i just man the characters i write are so real i'm like okay like (laughs) calm down like it's (laughs) but now it's not good right like (laughs) attitude can definitely ruin it for me um mm-hmm. i mean my only my recent the only thing i watched recently is there's a youtuber jack you know his name's cody co and he made oh, cinnamon yeah. rolls and he's kind of like a bro dude like a, a little bit he's kind of like a nerdy frat boy is kind of how i describe him and he made yeah, cinnamon rolls and i was like okay if he can make cinnamon rolls i can make cinnamon rolls and so i made cinnamon rolls <laughs> <laughs> so you like seeing people who are just doing it because they want to try it, not necessarily right. Like experts like, in the field, and that's why, like, uh, you know, it's it's always so nice to like talk to Lily about cooking because she never she never tries to gatekeep it by saying like, "Oh, you can't do this" or "You can't do that." I mean, I'm sure she would tell me that if I was doing something horribly wrong, but you know, she doesn't. She's not like, "No, you can't. <laughs> you're not. You're not good for baking." She never does stuff like that. Yeah, you know, she'd be like, no, you can't use normal milk for this vegan recipe. What are you, crazy? I mean, if you want, if someone approaches you and they want to learn and they want to do something new, then like, who are you to deny them any knowledge that you might have, you know? That's the point of having knowledge and skills in the first place is to share it with everybody. (laughs) Beautifully said. I mean, really. You got you got anything else you want to add or talk about? Um, sorry, I said um. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, think before so. before I mean, we I've... before we started recording, Jack goes, "Lily, don't say um." And I, I said try. I was like, "Wow, well, it's a it's a bad placeholder for talking, I guess." But it kind of helps your brain be like, "All right, make more noise." <laughs> yeah, I mean, because like, I say. I go uh or um sometimes, but I'm, I was like, don't be like uh, um, like just you know, if you're saying like uh yeah, so I was doing this, that's fine because I do that all the time, is what I was saying. I'm just gonna repeat myself like six times, but 
Charlie, do you have any more questions? You know, it's interesting. Um, Lily, if you, like, so you're kind of in that baking and uh, kitchen, you know, profession and job. Do you see yourself continuing in that? Um, So, like, 10 years in the future? Or would you eventually like to call it kind of quits on that and do something else? Or do you see this as being something like, oh, hey, 10 years from now, I'm going to try to do my own thing, or even five years from now, you know, no no, no specific time limit, but is this something you want to keep doing into the future? So that's actually something I've been thinking about a lot the past couple of years, and I feel like I've kind of hit the ceiling as far as restaurant industry goes. I mean, the next step would be me owning my own restaurant or my own bakery, you mm-hmm. know, like... I've started out as just learning, cutting my teeth, like being a baker, being a line cook, developing a menu, managing, being in charge of people, seeing the business side of things, you know, for almost like eight years now. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of getting to the point where I've been thinking a lot seriously, like, all right, you know, I'm in my mid 20s. Is is this something that I want to do? For the rest of my life. And I don't think so. Like I think it has given me so much valuable insight and growth into who I am and like what I want out of a career. And Mm -hmm. I just see myself wanting to expand and do other things. Like I really want to get more into coffee roasting and have that, you know, give me the opportunity to travel and like go to farms, go to different countries and see more of the world, you know, and I don't think I'd ever own my own restaurant, but I could see myself working in and out of restaurants. But I've also been more seriously getting into my writing Mm -hmm. and like going back to my passions that I had for farming, you know, which sounds silly because I've never like worked on a farm, but that's something that I've always wanted to do is work on a farm and like with animals and stuff. So I think this job will kind of give me opportunities to get my foot in the door and get connections with those kind of people and those kind of places. But yeah, you know, there's a lot that I want to do and you know, I think with my experience, it'll be easy to find a job wherever I go, but I probably won't retire being a cook if that makes sense. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny and you're going to laugh because I know it's nothing like working a real farm, but ever since I played uh, Stardew Valley, that idea of moving mm-hmm. away and working for not necessarily like growing huge crops or anything like that, but uh, the idea of like going and like making a living for yourself in a very real way and to where you're supporting, you know, the food that you're getting and you can have contact with other people. You could have like contact with butchers and like that idea has always sounded really appealing to me, like just a little bit more of a down to earth, you know, setting to where you have so much more control over your life in general and it's you're not trapped in a city and and it's funny because like you know we live in Tulsa Oklahoma and it's not a huge city it's not New York it's not even you know like Kansas City Missouri it's not that big but the idea of getting away from that and having more space has always appealed to me and you know I know of course oh absolutely the realistic side of it is something I've don't know anything about like I don't um I'm sure I could figure some things out but like the realistic side especially like when I think like financially like how you'd support yourself like that's kind of stressful but still appealing nonetheless yeah absolutely and I mean it's it's just that it's that idea of something more something I can make myself something that I go out into the unknown and then this is what I this is me and this is who I am and this is what Mm -hmm. I can do. You know, like this is what I make with my own two hands and it's just escaping that stagnation of everyday routine and like everyday life, you know, because no matter where you, what job you work at, it becomes routine after a while. Right. And it becomes the same and it can become boring, you know, like that's why I really like cooking is that you can keep it interesting by like making new things and like, being around different people and like feeding people and doing all sorts of different cuisines. And that's why it's never really gotten boring for me. But 
you know, I it's funny you mentioned Stardew Valley because I I love that game so much and I think it affected me so strongly is because in the beginning of the game you start out like sitting at a computer right, and yeah. you just look tired. Yeah. You know? And I that like struck a chord with me so intensely because it's like to me still like if I feel like I'm not growing or learning or like using my brain for something, I feel like I'm stagnant and then I feel like I'm going to die. Like I know that sounds so dramatic. But for me, like, stagnation is just death, you know? Mm. So, like, anything where I'm, like, doing something different, I'm, like, doing something new, I'm discovering something, that's what I want to do. I mean, that's definitely, I think, why I like, or in, why I really per- been, like, pursuing my writing lately is because that's that one area that I really do feel that in. And then plus, mm-hmm. too, it's just something I enjoy as well and something that I can see myself growing at and different in small ways. Like uh, it's definitely mm-hmm. helped me not just as like a, I don't know, like a skill, but like as a person as well, um, you know, teaching me that things do change over time and things aren't static by the simple example of like, Oh, Hey, you went back and read something that you wrote last year and it's not up to your standard, but then you look at stuff you're writing now and it's so much better that you're kind of like, really? Like, have I really gotten better? And so it's <laughs> it's really nice in that way to kind of see that growth and progression. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, your writing, Charlie, has been really inspirational for me personally because I feel like it's helped me get back into my own writing, you know. And I don't, I don't really consider myself a writer. Like, I often don't have energy or time to do it every day, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like... If I was a writer, I would just write regardless of the situation. But like I still I've been getting back into that rhythm of like, oh, I feel like adding more to this idea that I had years and years ago or like I should write all these notes or I should scribble down this passage that just came to mind, you know, and it's just been really kind of therapeutic to exercise that part of my brain that's been kind of stiff, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like and Jack, like you're even included in this, like writing is definitely not something that's limited to if you're good or talented at it, I think writing in general, and I know this is all about cooking, but I think you, we can kind of like loop it back into cooking. Like both writing and cooking are skills and hobbies that are very therapeutic in their own way by just doing them. And Mm -hmm. I can always tell you, like I'll always feel better after I've written something just in the same way that I've always feel better after I've like cooked something. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not that good, like there's still this weirdly innate satisfaction and the kind of release of like, oh, I did something. It's really good for your mental health. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that kind of goes back to what it means to be human in a way. And I know that sounds really silly, but like, I, I mean, think about what humans have been doing since the beginning of time is like we've been making food so we don't starve mm-hmm. and we've been telling stories ever since we yeah. looked up at the stars you know like that's mm-hmm. wow. such a ingrained part of what humans do that it's just like yeah. it's something that can that everyone can relate to and everyone can connect on is cooking making food like feeding themselves feeding yeah. others and then like telling our story yeah and i think yeah. it's it brings up like what you said earlier when you know, the point of like learning and like educating yourself about all these different kinds of like styles to cook and baking and like just learn about that and then teaching someone else like that's in a way almost the point of like going out and learning this so you can just spread this knowledge more to more people, you know, and that's something that we've been doing in writing and cooking and, you know, whatever kind of art, all kinds of stuff for thousands of years now, you know, so it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I think what like a an ending note that I have is like probably w- the most special moment to me in my career so far as being like a baker and a cook and a manager and stuff is knowing that like the woman who taught me how to make sourdough and kind of whenever she left the bakery and thanking her for teaching me how to bake and then fast forward to a year later when a baker is thanking me for teaching Mm -hmm. them how to bake. Mm. And it just like always affects me really emotionally whenever I think about it. You know, it just, it feels so special. It's like I have a mentor and then all of a sudden someone else considers me their mentor and it's just so wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
That's really it's awesome. very sweet. It's very endearing. Yeah. That's, it that's is, awesome. you know? <laughs> that's what we do on that's the awesome. Raconteur Collection. You know, you everybody who is listening to this, they're like, oh, this is just an episode about cooking. But those people who listen to the end, guess what? Cooking. Humanity. All related. <laughs> all connected. We're all one in the spectrum. Hive mind. No, wait, not yet. All right. Anyways. Well, Doc, I want to say wrap us up here. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a great episode. Lily, thank you so much for coming on and you know sharing like your knowledge and just your experiences. It's, it's always very knowledge. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be on an episode. Yeah. It's really yeah. exciting. It's love hearing you oh, uh, talk about what you do because because you, you did kind of branch out and kind of do your own thing, very different from you know what Charlie and I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, Charlie and I did different things too, yeah. but you know, and it just it's cool. It's cool. So yeah, Jack and I are definitely where we took not like the same path, but had kind of similar paths just through corporate settings and stuff. And you definitely had your own unique thing that you did and that you pursued mm-hmm. and put your time and energy into. And so it's always great to hear about that because, you know, and I'm sorry, I know we're ending here, but one thing I've always really liked about this podcast is that it gives us an opportunity to talk and examine our lives at a little bit of a distance because you know this is going out and people are going to hear this and it's interesting to look back at these childhood memories at you know music we listen to at things we used to cook and what we're doing now and be like wow like we actually have done a lot because it's so easy in life to kind of get caught up and just the day-to-day and the momentum and so these moments are always really nice for me to be like wow a lot of stuff has happened and just like yeah. that, we've talked about an hour about cooking that evolved into a conversation about what it means to be human. <laughs> human. Yeah. And I mean, when you stop and think about it, there are so many things that happen, you know, listening to your guys' earlier episodes. It's like, oh, my gosh, I remember that. And oh, that makes me think <laughs> right. about this. And it's just it's so sweet. You know, it's such a comfort to listen mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Great. Very much awesome. so. And so I will end that off with another thank you to Lily. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Charlie Thank for always you. joining me. Appreciate you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As always, our music is provided by the wonderful Lee Talented, Tyler Cunningham. You can reach us at RackhunterCollection at gmail.com. We have an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we also have a Patreon where you can support us if you choose to do so. And we'd really appreciate your patronage there if you can you know, afford to do so. Yeah. Last but not least, once again, Charlie, anything else? Thank you so much to Jack Henry, our one patron. He is literally putting food on the table. I'd be starving without the man. That's all. <laughs> all right. Peace out, everybody, and have a good one. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.